So this morning, uh, we're going to continue in our series uh, from the book With by Sky Jathani, and we're going to be continuing into what it looks like to live life with hope. So I'm really excited about that. Let's go ahead. I'm going to pray real quick, and then we'll jump into what we're going to be talking about. Jesus, we thank you again for um, just the, uh, the glimpses that we get of uh, what life is meant to be like. Uh, and Lord, I pray that as we uh, dig into your word, as we take a look at what life with you uh, looks like as we continue to uh, see that. God, I pray that our hearts would just be captured more and more uh, as, as we catch those glimpses of seeing your kingdom come and your will be done uh, here on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, praise things in your name. Amen. So uh, a couple months ago, I think it was a couple months ago, I, was, I read through a lot of news stories, and this one came across I saw it. This guy was from the Bay Area, from um, kind of the North Bay, and he's a sea kayaker. So, like, and not just like your normal, you know, maybe 12, 14, 16 foot sea kayak. We're talking like 20 something foot sea kayak with a cabin, and it's really a boat without a sail, is what it is, right? Um, and he set out, his goal uh, was to go from Sausalito. Uh, just on the north, north side of the San Francisco Bay there, and to kayak his way all the way to Hawaii. Wow. All the way to Hawaii. How many people have flown to Hawaii? Has anybody flown to Hawaii? A lot of people, okay? That dude wanted to kayak the whole way across to Hawaii. That's crazy, all right? Like, that's insane. And just think about it, man, like, it was supposed to be a 70-day kayaking trip. 70 days. Not seven, not 10, not 70 days of kayaking in a tiny little boat stuck out in the middle of the ocean. I don't know if anyone's seen Jaws, but like, like playing Jaws for real, probably sharks circling around, all that kind of stuff. This guy sets out, okay, from San Francisco, from the bay, paddles his way out through the Golden Gate, manages not to get run over by any cargo ships or anything, and he makes it about seven days into his 70-day journey. At which point, he was apparently um, about seven miles off the coast of California. Something like that. I don't know. It was, he was way closer than you would expect, right? He hadn't made it very far. I guess the ocean wasn't cooperating. Like, the waves were a little bit rougher, and things weren't quite going as he had envisioned, as he had planned. Right? Like, he set out on this journey. He had all of his food. He had everything ready. He had his GPS system going. He had a satellite phone. He had everything that he needed to make this journey from San Francisco to Hawaii, one paddle stroke at a time. And he made it a tenth of the way into the trip. And everything changed. So all of a sudden, he realized that he had lost... I guess it's called a, a sea anchor. He lost his anchor from his boat that holds your boat steady, right? So now all of a sudden his kayak is being thrown around quite a bit. And he finds himself in the midst of these 12 to 15 foot waves in this kayak being thrown around without an anchor. And he realizes, he starts looking at his GPS, that's gone out. So like his anchor's gone, his GPS is gone. He picks up his satellite phone. Fortunately, it's working and talks to his team that's on land, and they sent the Coast Guard out. So let's check out the next picture. That's him in the shorts in the middle there um, with the team of rescuers who flew out on the helicopter and came and rescued him out of the ocean where he left his boat, right? So he made it, like I said, 
a week into his journey, which is way further than I would have made it. And I'm not trying to hate on this guy at all, but it's crazy because he had this whole plan. Like, you know, he had everything he needed to make it to Hawaii. He had spent probably years dreaming about this and training for it and doing all this different stuff and looking forward to it. Looking forward to this, this journey and, and imagining what it was going to be like to be on the other side. Imagining what it was going to be like to, to, to arrive in Hawaii. In less than seven days into his journey, he was lifted away from his boat and, and carried back in, into San Francisco. And what's funny, I, that the, the, the game changer for him was that he lost his anchor. He lost his anchor. In, in Hebrews chapter 6, it says that hope is the steadfast anchor of the soul. Hope is the steadfast anchor of the soul. You know, hope is the thing that keeps us from being tossed around by the waves. When we find ourselves in the midst of, of, of crazy waves, 12 to 15 foot waves for this guy, in, in an insurmountable situation, something that we, we can't overcome, the author of Hebrews tells us, listen, and he says this to a group of people who are, who are being persecuted, who've lost their homes and have come back and, and lost everything that they had. And he, he tells them, listen, like, hope is the steadfast anchor of the soul. You know, the, the Bible talks a lot about this idea of the sea. And as we talk about hope today, it's interesting um, that this guy found himself out there in the sea without this anchor. Because the, the Bible, it actually, the, the, the sea is a huge part of the story of Scripture from the beginning to the end. We see at the very beginning that when God creates the heavens and the earth, that the earth was, out without, without, was, was uh, formless and void, and that the Spirit hovered over the waters. The Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And that from the waters, God brought forth the land and, and, and created everything that we see. And so in Scripture, this idea of the sea is an idea of chaos. It's an idea of, of no structure, of being formless. It's this idea of the unknown. And the, the, the sea is, is talked about throughout the Psalms. In Psalm 69, King David writes this psalm. He says this, and I'm just going to read a few of the verses out of this psalm. He says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I've come into deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. A little bit later in the psalm, he says, But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord. At an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. Deliver me from sinking in the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me, or the deep swallow me up, or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. So it's interesting because we have this idea that, uh, of the sea in, in Scripture, and we see God with his people interacting with the sea and the waters, the deep waters, several times. And it's really symbolic. We see it at the very beginning when God brings creation 
out of the sea. We see it as God brings his people. He's creating a new people that are going to be called his own out of Egypt, and they pass through the sea, and God is with them as he parts the seas. As he brings them to the land that he's promised them, again, he parts the waters, and they walk through this river, the Jordan River, on dry ground. Millions of people passing through on dry ground. The the, the water's piled up on one end. And God is with them in in the midst of these deep waters. As we look at, as we think about what does it look like to have hope? What does it look like for us to have hope? We have to think about, man, what do I put my hope in? When I think about hope, what, what do I think about? Where does my mind go? I think about a lot of people, and maybe, maybe for some people, we think about our, our, our hopes are connected to, to, to maybe our dreams or some relationships that we have or some kind of thing that we have planned for our lives. And we say, man, I really hope that, like, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're a parent, I hope that my kids do X, Y, Z. If you're, if you're running a business, man, I hope my business, I hope we're able to take this next step this next year. If you're in school, it's like, man, I hope... And maybe you're focused on your grades. You're like, man, I hope I get these good enough grades this year. Man, I hope that like, my friends are still my friends when I get back to school after the summer. That those friendships haven't dissolved or gone away. And we put our hope in a lot of different places. And our hope is our anchor. It's actually kind of interesting. I was talking, I was having a conversation um, about a year and a half ago now. Uh, closer to two years ago. And so someone I've known for years, and he's not a believer, and he, he doesn't know Jesus. And he, he was talking about this idea um, and, 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 and what keeps him oriented in his life. And he actually used the term anchor points. He said, you know, my wife and I, we have anchor points in our lives. They're the things that orient us. They're the things that, that keep us focused in the right direction. Even when things get hard, we have these anchor points that we go back to. And so this morning, I just want to challenge us to think about, man, what are my anchor points? Where am I I anchoring my hope? Where where is my heart going? So as as we think about that, there's kind of two levels of hope that we see throughout Scripture. As we look at the hope that Jesus kind of invites us into, we see these two levels of hope. The first level is this idea of cosmic hope. And I think a lot of times when people think about faith and following Jesus uh, is that this is the one that we mostly think about, okay? And, and this cosmic hope idea is this, is that, 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 that God created the heavens and the earth. He created order from the chaos at the beginning. Our cosmic hope is, is centered around this narrative that the Bible presents, is that God created order from the chaos at the beginning. Out of the sea, he brought the, the dry land. He ordered creation. So that's the first step. So we see in the, in the image here is that God is over the chaos, that he's bringing order to this place where there was chaos. And then, and then what happens is, is that humanity plunges back into the chaos, is that we decide we want to create our own order and we plunge back into the chaos after rebelling against God. Essentially, we say, you know what? We want to be God. We want to decide how things are ordered in our own lives. And 
we jump right back into the sea. We jump right back into the waters from which we came. But the gospel is, the good news is, is that even though we're here in the waters, even though we've turned our back on God, is that Jesus has come and that he's with us even in the midst of the chaos. That God is present with us, providing hope amid the chaos of the world. And this, this illustration is of a boat. That God gives us hope. You know, another story from Genesis in, um, is this story of, of Noah. And that God is with him, bringing him through the waters in this boat. So God is present with us, and that is the good news. Is that even when we look around, we see all these things going on around us, and, and we're overwhelmed, like King David said in this psalm. Even though it's easy to be overwhelmed and to wonder, man, I'm sinking deep in this mire where there's no foothold. I've come to deep waters and the flood is sweeping over me. I'm weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord. Have you found yourself in that place where you're like, man, I feel like my feet are stuck in the mire. I feel like the situation is never going to change. I feel like the sea is overwhelming. I thought I was prepared. I thought I had this plan. I thought I was moving forward. I thought this or that, whatever situation it is. And we find ourselves feet stuck with the water up to our neck, just trying to keep our head above water and wondering, and wondering, but as for me, my prayers to you, O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. Deliver me from sinking in the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me, nor the deep swallow me up, or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. And our cosmic hope is in this narrative that we've come from the chaos, that, that, that even though we've rebelled, that Jesus has come to be with us in the midst of the chaos, and that, you know what, this evil and chaos that we see everywhere around us, that it's not going to last forever, is that God is going to come back, Jesus is going to return, and vanquish evil, and put order to the chaos, and we're going to get to live life with him face to face forever. So this is like the... the the overarching narrative, the cosmic level hope that we have. I think a lot of people, we have this in mind when we think, okay, yeah, I have hope for the future, but I'm thinking about my eternity. I'm thinking about when I die, I know I'm going to heaven. I think that's how a lot of people would express it. It's like, oh yeah, do you believe in God? Well, yeah, like I, I, I prayed and I know when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. But here's the awesome thing is that God doesn't just want to leave us to our own devices but that he's come into the midst of the chaos. He's entered into our world. He stepped into the mire with us. He's sludged through it. He's come into the sea to put his arm around us and to walk with us through it. And that mire isn't going to be here forever, but there's going to be a time when all things are made new and all things are made right. And that is our cosmic hope, but we need individual hope. The beauty of the gospel is that it's not just some way out there, future thing, but it's a here and now 
message. It's good news right now. It's not good news for when I die. It's good news for right now. And our individual hope, we find our individual hope in that our personal, in our personal desire for meaning, that's where we find our, our, our kind of our lower level our lower altitude, that cosmic level of hope was that one before, this lower altitude level of hope, understanding of hope, is seeing our story within the larger story. It's understanding that, 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 that how our story works within that larger story. And hope requires a sense of purpose and dignity. Hope requires a sense of purpose and dignity, a belief that no matter what happens, our life has value. Once we lose hope, once we lose a sense of value, we lose hope. Once we lose a sense of purpose, we give up hope. Think about that guy in the boat. He was like, all right, like, my sense of purpose was to make it to Hawaii, obviously not making it to Hawaii, and he was out, which was a good move, right? <laughs> he called in, they came out and rescued him. Our sense of purpose, our sense of purpose and dignity is intrinsic to where we find our hope and understanding that our life has value to God is where we find our hope. In Mark chapter 4, there's this, there's this story where some people find themselves in a similar situation to our kayaking friend. And there are actually some people that hung out with Jesus a lot, as you probably maybe guessed if you're familiar with the Gospels, that they're all about the story of Jesus. So, um, <laughs> so Jesus has just been teaching and preaching and sharing these stories about the kingdom of God. And he's been, he, there, there was such a big crowd that they've, 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 they've crowded onto the shore, and he's actually stood on a boat teaching, and so his voice could carry out to this whole crowd. And when he was done teaching, it says that, when evening had come, he said to his disciples in, in Mark chapter 4, verses 35, uh, we're going to start out there. It says, when, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other sides. So they're on a, on, on a huge lake, on a small sea, whatever you want to call it. Um, and they're going to they're cross this body of water. And it says, in leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with them, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. So you can imagine this, this scene, right? And if, like, Just a little bit of biographical background here on the disciples. A bunch of them were fishermen, okay? They knew the water. They knew the boat. They knew how to handle a boat. They, they, they knew how to read the sea. They knew what they were doing. And so as, as they head out on the water, if they had thought that the storm was going to come up, they probably wouldn't have gone out. But they find themselves out on the water, and everything goes wrong, and, and now they're straining against the waves, and they're actually, the waves are crashing over the, 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 the bow of the boat and coming in and filling the boat with water. So you can imagine the scene of them frantically bailing water out of the boat, being inundated with water, and everybody's like, we're going to die. This boat is going to sink. We're out in the middle of this water. And they look over. It says in verse 38, But he, referring to Jesus, he was in the stern, asleep 
on the cushion. So Jesus, in the midst of this chaos, is in the back of the boat. He's just spent quite a while teaching, and he's exhausted. If you ever wonder, like, if Jesus really experienced all the different things of, like, you know, what we do, man. He's exhausted after spending his day interacting with people and teaching, and here he is in the back of the boat, asleep, and they're about to die. It says, and they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Like, hey, we're going to die. Like, you might want to wake up. Like, do you feel the water at your feet? Maybe? I don't know. Well, wake up. You know, sometimes, though, it feels like, it feels that way, right? We find ourselves in the midst of the storm, and we, we find ourselves doing everything that we know how to do. Doing, we, we've, we, we, we've expended all of our, our wisdom, all of our knowledge. We, we've employed every skill that we have in a situation, everything that we know how to do, and yet we find ourselves overwhelmed. We find the water up to our neck. We find our feet stuck in the mire. These guys were professionals on the water. These guys were pros. And they're out there freaking out. Everything they've tried hasn't worked. And there's Jesus with them. You know, sometimes it feels like in the midst of those times, like, Jesus, like, can't you just bail me out here? And he wakes up. Verse 39, he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Can you imagine the scene? Can you imagine being in the midst of it? You're, you're, you're terrified for your life. He wakes up, peace, be still, and it's over. It's as calm as could be. In their exhaustion, I can't imagine what they were thinking. He said to them, <laughs> in verse 40, <laughs> Jesus had a sense of humor. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Have you no faith? He looks at me, he's like, oh, what's the deal? I'm, I'm here with you. I told you to come out here. It got rough. Why are you so afraid? I'm here with you. You know, it can be hard to live with hope. It can be hard to hold on to our hope in the midst of challenging times. But the really cool thing about this idea of life with God is that we're, we're, we're making that pivot from living life in fear to living life out of love. Is that we're making that turn from living life out of fear to living life out of love. And so when it comes to our hope, if we're putting our hope in our own skills and our own abilities, if we're putting our hope into the things that we have, the things that we can touch and we can hold, that we're familiar with, if that's where our hope is, we're going to be stuck in the mud. We're going to be up to our neck in water. We're going to be drowning and crying out for help and afraid. But if we keep our hope, if we fix our eyes on Jesus if we recognize that he is with us, no matter what the situation is, no matter what surrounds us, no matter how high the water is up to our neck, that he is with us. 
then we have no reason to be afraid. That's the good news. The good news isn't the moral of this story isn't that Jesus is just going to snap his fingers every time we get into trouble, feel like we're in trouble, and fix the situation. Because you've got to remember, there was quite a bit of buildup there before it got calm. But the game changed, the, the, the moment that things changed was when they took their eyes off of themselves and they stopped staring in on themselves and they turned to Jesus and they fixed their eyes on him. The moment that things changed is when they realized that it wasn't about their skills. It wasn't about the, the thing that they were doing. It wasn't about who they were, but it was about who was with them in their boat. It wasn't about what they were trying to do or what they were up against, what the situation was, but it was about the one who was with them. You know, I think our biggest my biggest struggle is this, is man, too often I put my hope in myself. I put my hope in the, in the circumstances around me. I put my hope in the people around me instead of fully putting my hope in Jesus. And Jesus' invitation to us is, hey, you don't have to be afraid. Don't live in fear. I am with you. And the one who calmed the storm the one who said, peace, be still. And turned to them, looked at them and said, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Verse 41, it says, and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Who this is, is the one that's inviting us in to this relationship. It's the one that we need to fix our eyes on, that no matter what we're up against, no matter where we're at, that our heart has an anchor, that we don't have to be afraid, that we can live out of a motivation of love instead of a motivation of fear, because he is with us, that we don't have to put our hope and the things that we can do to find our value and significance. But that our hope is not in what we do, but our hope is with whom, is in, with whom we do it. So Jesus is inviting us into continual communion with him, to walk with him and experience life with him, free of fear. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you that you've given us hope. We thank you for your overwhelming grace towards us. Lord, I just pray that as, as we experience life, as we experience these things that come up against us that feel so overwhelming, Lord, that our eyes wouldn't be fixed on ourselves, that we would turn our eyes to you, that we would fix our eyes on you, that our hope would be rooted in you. Lord Jesus, that we would be a people who don't live in fear, 
but that we would be a people who live out of love because our hearts are anchored by you. Praise things in your name. Amen.